Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And this time we are going to talk about mothering kids ages six through 11. And last April, we talked about raising kids zero to five. So we're just picking up on that for this year. And I'm going to be asking questions that we solicited from women in the church. And thank you to everyone who contacted me because we have so many really, really good questions. Um, and I hope to get to as many of those as possible. Um, here to answer all your burning questions are Margie Priestley, um, Kim Rivera, and Karen Rack. Can you each introduce yourselves? Tell us who you are, Margie, you can okay. go first. My name is Margie Priestley, and I'm married to Wes, and I have four grown children. Uh, th- my daughters are married, and my son is getting married yay in June <laughs> and we absolutely love our son-in-laws and our future daughter-in-law. How many grandkids do you have? I have three grandchildren and two on the way. Yay! Um, my name's Karen Rack and I've been married to Philip for just over 25 years and we have seven children ranging in ages from four up to 22. Two girls, five I'm sorry, two boys, five girls, um, and I'm about to get my first son-in-law in June, so I'm real excited about that. Um, I grew up uh, north of Atlanta in Marietta, Georgia, and some things I like to do are homemaking, hanging out at home with our family. I like yard work and gardening. I like to walk, and I love thrift store shopping. My name is Kimberly Rivera. I've married, been married to Mark for 23 years. We have 11 children, ages 22 down to six. I have six girls and five boys, and um, that's us. All right, so um, we're just going to launch right into the questions. And the first couple are have to do with perseverance in this season of motherhood and just weariness. So the first one is... Um, I find myself weary from meeting needs, lack of sleep, or my mind is exhausted from heart conversations I'm having with my older children, and I find that I'm lacking love for and enjoyment of my kids. I wish I could sit in fellowship with Jesus and have my soul refreshed, but the reality is I have a lot of work to do. What encouragement do you have for how to be refreshed in my soul, and how can I grow in loving and enjoying my kids even when I'm tired? Margie? Well, I can relate to this mother because I did not like who I was when I was physically exhausted as a mother. And so, um, and I also didn't enjoy mothering when I lost perspective, God's perspective on mothering. And so I had a little book that I would pull out and just read a portion of, and it was um, A Mother's Heart by Jean Fleming, and so she just talked about how uh, God values uh, mothers, and our world doesn't value mothers, and so uh, I think you can maybe pick that up and start to wonder, what am I doing? How am I spending my days with these kids? But um, Wes encouraged me that there is no one else in life that you will have more impact on than these children. And um, 
So it's a, it's a very high calling. And, um, but I, as far as the tiredness goes, I would uh, try to take a nap because uh, I would even lay down with the kids and we would take naps together. But when they were older, they would, um, I would give them quiet times. And um, so, but I wonder about the scheduling, like uh, pull things out of your schedule that keep you from enjoying your children. And um, just, yeah. Good. I have some kind of practical um, ideas. Um, one of the things that we've done in our home is, um, I'm a morning person, so that's my bent. So take this and make it work for you. But um, I always got up early before the kids got up. And that was time to read the Bible. And as the kids get older, they often get up with me. But the first time of the day is everybody reads their Bible. So if a little person gets up, they can come in and sit on my lap or sit beside me, but they know it is time to read your Bible. So that's kind of helps helps get the day off to a good start. Um, something else we've done is, um, is we put on um, worship music or Bible memory songs during the day. It kind of just helps you. Um, helped us um, focus on what was important um, memorizing verses with your kids because as you go through a really busy day you can um, meditate on God's word um, um, now that I don't have a bunch of kids in the bathroom with me when I take a shower <laughs> I, I, I also put on music during the shower and, and again that's, that's kind of just good. quiet time that you can get throughout the day um, and then I'd, I'd echo what Margie said and it's do less. I think that um, enjoying our kids and it takes time and um, your children need time with you more than they need the play date or the fun activity. They really do. That's just going to... Um, give us some maternal results there. So really encourage you to, to think about what you can cut out. What are you doing instead of spending that, you know, having that downtime with your kids. And then another practical thing is um, to enjoy your kids is an early bedtime. It's a lot easier to enjoy well-rested kids. Um, it gave Mark and I time to be alone together. So all the way up until our kids were around 11, they went to bed at 7. So our little kids still go to bed around seven. So that's just something we've done that everybody is well rested. You kind of get time with your husband and you're ready to see your children. Would they read or something in bed? Like, or do they our go to kids, sleep? Our kids have gone to wow. sleep, but they, we get up early. Okay. So that's, yeah. again, adjust that for what works for your family. <laughs> The next question is similar. Um, this lady writes, I love to serve my kids and family through meeting their basic needs, clean clothes, delicious meals, etc. cetera. Um, but once the week is over, I'm discouraged that I have to do it all over again. I want to have joy in serving my family this way, and I also need help practically. So how can I grow and joy in these mundane tasks? And do you have any practical tips for managing the home? Care? Yeah, so um, well, I'll start with um, more the undercurrent of maybe keeping us filled with joy for the tasks. I've got some practical ideas, but kind of along the lines of what Margie said, I think for me, um, I 
have been, I guess I've been needy for encouragement a lot over the years of mothering. So I've cried out to the Lord a lot of times, like, Lord, I need encouragement. I need help. I, I think part of what I was really wanting was to know that what I was doing was of real value to God and his kingdom, to know that um, there was a real purpose to my life in staying home with my children and mothering them. And the Lord has been very faithful to um, to remind me over and over again. And I, one of the things that um, has come to mind many times over the last 20 years or so is that um, in God's kingdom, um, it's just different than the world's kingdom. And so when you get a kingdom-minded mothering uh, mentality, then you realize, okay, in God's kingdom, he sees what we do in secret and he rewards. That's God's kingdom. So that really fuels me. Oh, you see what I'm doing uh, behind these four walls every day. The God of the universe sees that and he loves it. Now that fuels me. Yeah. And then, um, you know, God says he exalts the humble. So again, like, you know, mothering is a pretty humbling task. You yeah. know, we, um, we're <laughs> doing all kinds of interesting things all day long that are um, very humble tasks. But again, God l- likes humility and that's what he exalts in his kingdom. So I think those are kind of the things that fuel me that are they just sort of this undercurrent that has kept me going with a lot a well of joy over the past you know 22 years of mothering so um so i guess that's the that's the main thing to me that's what just holds me together now practically um you know i would say as far as the clean clothes go you know i mean the reality is there we have so much laundry we do laundry every day at our house we have big piles of laundry everywhere and um we typically will about twice a week throw these mounds of clean clothes in the middle of the living room and call it a laundry party. It's typically <laughs> about two or three of us that sit and we'll watch a show or turn on music and we fold laundry. And it turns out to be kind of a fun thing, but you know, the, the, the struggle is real. Laundry is just a reality. And, um, and as far as delicious meals, you know, I get in ruts with recipes like anybody else, so it's fun to ask friends for new recipes from time to time. It's good to get our kids in the kitchen with us um, and try to make opportunities for them to cook alongside us because, I mean, let's face it, what, what we're doing is we're training them to be cooks. In fact, there was a season in my life when uh, I had my, my seventh child um, I had postpartum depression. Now I realize it at the time. I didn't realize how bad I was in it. But my oldest two, they cooked almost mm-hmm. every meal for me for about the first six months. And I look back on that now, but they knew how to do the kitchen because we had been in the kitchen before and we had done things together. And um, sometimes that puts a spark into these mundane tasks. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, practically, yeah, kind of have to make lemonade out of lemons sometimes and laundry and cooking every day can can get mundane but I think if you're fueled though if you're fueled underneath all that all those tasks that are the same old same old every day if there's this undergirding of that God loves this that he highly values what we're doing and in his kingdom we actually have a very important job then there's a lot of joy that just keeps gurgling forth 
in the midst of being tired and weary. It's just like going back to, what do you say, God? Oh, you say that. Okay, I can keep going another step. And so I think that's, um, that's what fuels the, the weary mom the, and gives us grace to persevere. I love that answer. <laughs> um, a couple of my thoughts are really just to, to pray to see that beauty and joy in the mundane tasks so that there is something beautiful in a, in a meal on the table. There's something beautiful about a counter that's white. Um, and just pray that God will give you that beauty in those simple things that we do over and over and over and over. Um, another thing that I did um, when, when the kids were in that age range was I had a hobby or, a, or something I enjoyed doing that did last. And I, I remember telling my husband when he came home, I, I knit three rows today and I won't have to knit that tomorrow. Because it was, it's, I, I really relate, I really relate to that question. And then as far as practically, um, Karen touched on it, but um, work with your kids. Six to 11 year olds love mm-hmm. helping. They love learning new things and accomplishing things. And give them real responsibilities. Our kids in this age range have a, um, an area. So, you know, one of them has a bathroom. One of them has a living room. And they get to do all the tasks in that area. And then Daddy comes home from work and can say, Isabella, she's um, eight. And she's like, Your, the living area looks so great. And she gets to learn how to vacuum and dust. She gets to learn how to pick up after her brothers and sisters and um, these are really good skills, and as Karen said, it, it, they pay big dividends mm-hmm. as the kids get older and are, are capable of, of really helping out. That's great. I'm writing these down. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Kimberly, when I was raising my kids. <laughs> um, I love this next question. I used to be an organized person, but now I struggle with discipline, organization, and managing skills that I was once able to tackle. I really love order and cleanliness, but rarely have them, and that can be a challenge. How would you encourage this frazzled mama who desires order in the home and in my life? Margie? Well, I think Bethany chose me for this question. <laughs> it was because a random order she's selection. She's been in my home, and she knows uh, cleanliness does not come natural to me, and uh, that's why I said um, I wish Kim had been around because <laughs> you can't teach what you don't know. So, but anyway, um, so it was easy for me to choose relationships over cleanliness, and I loved my kids, and we had a uh, great time together. And uh, but I would have friends stop in, and I'd be embarrassed about the house and how it looked and how sticky the floors. Were. And uh, but I have had some of those friends say to me uh, later that they wish they had have been less concerned about the house and more concerned about their relationships with their children. Uh, but for me, what helps me is to declutter and get rid of the the toys that don't encourage creativity or. Just minimize what you have, and it's easier for me to maintain it. 
That was a great answer. In fact, I'm probably the other extreme where I, I think I've come from the I wanted everything in its place, perfection of the home. I mean, it was so bad when we were first married that we didn't have kids, but if we were sitting and watching a television show and Philip took off his socks and threw them on the floor, I could not focus on the show. I kept looking down at the floor at the uh, socks, and I'd yeah. pop up, yeah. grab the socks, put them in the laundry basket, sit back yeah. down, and then I was very happy to be. So so um, I think I've had to die, and I am still mm-hmm. learning to die to a lot of that um, kind of, OCD on wanting things orderly. Now, God has been has a sense of humor and I have seven yeah, children, so yeah. I can't keep a perfect house and and I'm actually thankful for friends like you're describing yourself, Margie, because you know, there have been friends where I've realized that that relationship with my children should supersede um, you know, everything being in its place. Now, I think mm-hmm. there's a balance between the two. I think we would all yeah. agree with that. And so I think that's what we're striving for is like, what is, where's this balance between keeping an orderly home so that it, there's peace and people aren't tripping over toys and, um, and there's order, but then, um, but there's also m- making sure that the relationship is the primary goal, you know, in loving our kids. So, you know, I will say for me, um, one friend that I have has helped me with, um, Two things that have made a big difference in my home as far as just helping me maintain some order um, would be daily chores and daily quiet time. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, being kind of on the other extreme of wanting everything in its place, I was wearing myself out um, trying to keep the house in order and picking up after people and, um, you know, went to a visit a friend uh, who lives out of town and just watched her children every morning while we were there getting up had a chore chart on the refrigerator they all knew what to do they were doing it the house got clean quickly and then they went off to play and they had a nice little routine and um and then in the afternoon there was about a two-hour period of time where everybody went to their room if you were little you were probably taking a nap if you were bigger you were reading a book and it was quiet and just observing this really, I mean, it was like I needed, I needed just a picture of what I could be doing in my own home. So the Lord provided me a picture through this friend and I came home and immediately said, okay, I'm putting together a chore chart. And there's a lot more payoff too for this. It's not just for my own sanity of, hey, I need order, but my kids also need responsibility. I do not need to be picking up Mm -hmm. after them all the time. That's actually not training them and not really helping them, I mean, in the long run. So um, so I think promoting that hey, uh, that family atmosphere of, hey, we're a family, so we're going to take care of the house together. We're going to play together. We're going to have all this stuff going on, but we, we've got a many hands make light work. So you're going to do these chores every day so that I don't feel crazy. And then you know what? We're going to take a quiet time in the day. That's a reset button for me and for my other kids. And honestly, these things um, really do help sustain. Like they, they make it sustainable to um, to be at home every day and um, try to maintain a home. Because we have a lot of people coming through our home. Like a lot, we, we host a lot of people. Um, we love doing that, but it's also just part of training my children to serve one another and start learning at the home how to serve and clean up your own room and clean a bathroom. And I mean, these are good skills, 
that um, life skills that our kids need. So I would just say practically the quiet time, the daily quiet time, the daily chores are good for mom and they're good for the kids. And then um, I love what Margie said about um, maybe that airing on that she airs on the side of the relationship with her kids because um, I can see already. I mean, your kids are all grown and y'all just seem really tight and there's y'all are a sweet family mm-hmm. to watch. And so, you know, I think that's also that good tension for people like me mm-hmm. to be aware of. It's like, I don't want to miss the relationship for the sake of a clean house. So I think there really is a tension that mm-hmm. we're just going to have to carefully ask God to help us depending on what side of this line we fall. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, y'all were the perfect balance. That. <laughs> that was God's sovereignty, not yeah. my choice yeah. because of your house. <laughs> um, okay, the next question is comparison. Um, this lady writes, I often struggle with comparison and fear of man, so I see this manifest itself in parenting. I want to be a good mom and do it right, and I constantly see where I'm doing it wrong and others are doing it better. What would you say to a mother struggling with comparison? First of all, I think, you know, just fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, um, kind of is key that um, we need to be aware of who we're serving and and the purpose. And it, it it's, it's about obedience to God. Um, the other side of the coin is don't be afraid to learn from others because sometimes you can see other people who are are doing it better than you. <laughs> and 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 it's never too late. I mean, God is is a God who redeems. So um, to, don't be afraid to learn from others, but also don't be afraid. Some people might be doing something fantastic and it is just not for your family. Um, so kind of the most important thing is remember God's sovereignty in that he gave these children to you. You are the perfect parent for these kids. No one in this world can love your children like you love them. And so your gifts and abilities match up with what your children need. And mm-hmm. and so just to have that assurance, I, I'm just convinced that Parents have, are given a special wisdom for their children that nobody else can have. I cannot tell you how to deal with a certain one of your children, um, but God will give you that wisdom. So just just be assured mm-hmm. that you are the perfect parent for your for your kids and, and to rest in God's sovereignty in that. Okay. Well, I would encourage this mother that there's no such thing as a perfect mom. And it's okay to see where you're doing it wrong, but use this as a, an opportunity to humble yourself before your children and before God. And he does not want us to be strong. He is strong on our behalf. And so I would just encourage her to go to the Lord with her weakness. And um, uh, I agree with Kim about just asking your friend, humbling yourself and asking your friend for advice and God gives grace to the home. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the next questions have to do with your, um, your spiritual life and also for your children. So the first one was, how can I um, instruct my kid's heart and tell them to obey God when I myself fail in so many ways to keep God's commands and live a life pleasing to him. I can feel like a hypocrite sometimes. Kim? Um, confess, 
confess, confess, confess. Um, Because we do fail. Um, Confess in front of your kids and confess to your kids. Ask your kids for forgiveness. Um, Share your struggles and your failings with your kids. They, 6 to 11, they know you're a sinner. (laughs) They, They know when you fail. They know when you get angry with them. Even if you don't raise your voice, even if it's just kind of a sigh and a turn away to take a breath, they know. So really try to be transparent and and Margie mentioned about humility I, I, I think I think humility is one of the most important things in parenting maybe even in being a believer or a human um, but but just being uh, being transparent in front of your kids and and this is a beautiful thing because we as our children become Christians we get to walk toward God as equals in front of mm-hmm. God and that 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 this this is exciting um and then there i was gonna address it seems like this question maybe reveals um a a wrong presupposition here and i just want to mention real remember that my authority as a parent comes from god it has nothing to do with my level of obedience it has nothing to do with my righteousness and um, this is important because since our authority is derived from God, it's not it's not anything I've earned. It's not because I'm older than them or anything like that. But since it's derived from God, it I have to use it to point them to God, and and so I just encourage encourage us to remember that um, our authority is God given and has it just there's no relation to our level of righteousness and and Lord willing the vision is. That one day our children will stand on our shoulders and be more godly than we are. And and that's a beautiful thing that they'll be able to see our failings. And, and Lord willing, they won't make some of those mistakes in their life. Oh, wow. I, Amen. That was so good. Yeah. I In fact, I, I had the same thoughts in so many respects, Kimberly. Because um, I guess the first thing I... I want to say is humility really is where it's at, I think. Um, we, you alluded to it earlier, Margie. God says he gives grace to the humble. That's mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite promises mm-hmm. in the Bible because, um, you know, I, I, I mess up a lot. And so it's it's just it, God is just so kind that he has decided that people who humble themselves, mm-hmm. he's going to pour out grace on. Mm-hmm. That is we need to tap into that, right? Yeah. So we need to be humble. And that does mean, you know, hey, I confess to my kids, you know, mommy's not better than you. In fact, I am a hypocrite sometimes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I tell mm-hmm. them to do things mm-hmm. and they know good and well that I'm probably the worst offender in the house of some <laughs> of the things I'm telling them to do or not do. So, um, and kids are, are, are way smarter than sometimes we give them credit for. So, if I'm going to sweep that under the rug, so to speak, and and pridefully expect them to do something that I'm not, conf- you know, confessing, I think that just breeds anger and rebellion in our children. So I think when I come to them and say, "Hey, you know, Mom's not better than you, but God's standard is what we're what I'm holding high for myself mm-hmm. and for you." And I love how Ted Tripp talks about us standing in solidarity with our children. He used as that term. Um, you know, that this whole idea of 
when our children have sinned and are disobeyed and we're, we're disciplining them, that when we come and stand beside them and say, hey, I totally understand this temptation. Um, I totally understand where you failed. Guess what? I have failed here. Ultimately, though, let's go back to what God says. And that's what we're after. We want to know the Lord and we want to know his ways. And so I think when we do that, um, our children can buy that, right? I mean, they can buy that. They can say, okay, mom's not saying she has this all together. Mom, I know very well, doesn't have it all together. But but mom's pointing me, just like Kimberly said. We're just pointing them back to God, not only their heart, but we're pointing our own hearts back. So it's very good for us to to be humble. And um, yeah, so I we are hypocrites. Um, and um, I just I just think humility is going to be one of our best qualities, assets, whatever we want to call it. It's just one of the best things. And God is so mm-hmm. gracious to, to bring grace and pour it out on mm-hmm. people who decide to say, I'm failing. I'm not doing this well. I'm so sorry. Yeah. There's healing in, in confession. So Very good. Very good. Um, okay, the next question um, is, I've noticed that while I do talk about God with my kids, explicit exposure to the Bible can be lacking. So how can I expose my kids to the Word of God in formal, formal structured times and also informally as I instruct them throughout the day? Margie? Well, I can't help you with the formal times because that's one area where I feel like we failed our children. And, uh, but... Wes would always say, the Word of God is not boring, and I don't want my children to be bored with God's Word. So whenever we talked about the Lord, it was like it talks in Deuteronomy, when we walked and when we ate. And so we, that was more our style. And um, Wes would read the Proverbs and he would ask them, you know, what's it look like when, what do you think a pig with a ring in his nose? So he would try to help them think about the word and meditate on it, but he always made it fun for them. And um, church needs to be important to the family. And uh, so, and that's where they'll make their friends, hopefully. Yeah, I, I totally agree that just making you know, the, the sky is God's handiwork. I mean, you can just be outside on a hike with your kids and point out um, that God made that. Isn't he amazing? You know, they do, they do declare his handiwork. And But um, one thing I have tried to do over the last several years is I have tried to do more formal um, times in God's Word with my kids. Now, I do home educate, so that does, because I do that, my time is uh, I kind of create the schedule and how it looks. So, so I am, uh, I understand that not everybody listening has that, that, that luxury and that time, um, you know, tight schedules get really tight. I recognize with sports and school, but, um, but because we, in our home school, um, I get to call the shots. I have made Bible time a priority as part of most every day. Now, what I have seen come out of that though is so, wonderful that I do encourage people as much as they can even if you don't home educate if you could wanted to do this on a Saturday or um, a Sunday night or something we we 
pick a Bible, uh, a cha- I mean, a book of the Bible, and the kids and I sit around the table in the morning for about 30 minutes, and we read a chapter, and we go around. I might pick a chunk of each of that chapter for each kid to read. Most of the kids like that are readers like, like to get to read out loud. Um, we talk about it, and then we set the timer for about 10 minutes. We have a notebook, and I ask the kids to either, for that 10 minutes, copy down a certain scripture, or I'll just say, hey, this is a more free-for-all. You either summarize in your own words what you're hearing. For the little kids, draw a picture of something you heard. Um, for my new writers, like, hey, copy this little verse, and I might underline it with pencil. Um, and, and we take 10 minutes. But what I love about this time is, um, it to me, I call it proactive parenting. They're not in trouble. We do this as part of our routine, and we're talking about God's Word. When you open God's Word and just talk about it, Proverbs is a great example of this. We did this this past year. Um, you know, take a chapter of Proverbs and read. There's so many things going on in Proverbs. And you, t- you stop, and it's like, oh, we, you know, the kids are learning. Even the, the, the gold ring in the pig's mouth. Yeah. Now, when you said that, I was yeah. laughing because that was one of the things we talked yeah. about, just as a, a woman who lacks discretion is what we're referring to. And... Um, but just all the conversations that we've had that come out of just reading one chapter and, you know, writing in our little notebooks for a little bit. And, um, and I can be real long-winded, so I will caution you if you are like me. My husband has been very helpful. He'll remind me, try to keep it short so that I don't lose them. I have seen many glazed faces <laughs> in these times, so I'm not trying to paint it as it's been all perfect because <laughs> I've, I've messed it up a lot. Um, but I've, I've loved what's come out of us taking God's word, reading it, talking about it. And, and honestly, it's just brought a lot of really special conversations um, that I feel like I can just see something going on in my kids' hearts. Like they're, they're, the word of God is living and active. So that's the bottom line here. We're not talking about something we're doing that's so awesome. We're just reading God's word and it's living and active. And so it's performing something in all of our hearts as we hear it. Um, Margie mentioned Deuteronomy 6, that you're supposed to speak of God's law when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And this really is the kind of the basic core of parenting here. This is the meat and potatoes. The most important thing that we can do for our children is to point them back to the Lord. So there are several practical things that we've done. Um, years ago, I read an article, um, and in it, the author... Um, talked about figurative hooks. So a hook is something that you do every day that you can then add habits to. So we all get up every morning. We all eat breakfast. We all brush our teeth. So these are hooks. So we've kind of done that in our home as we've added good habits, what we hope are good habits, to some of these hooks throughout the day. So um, I mentioned earlier we get up early the first thing that happens at our house is our personal daily bible reading um as soon as um our children can read they get their own bible and part of being rivera is you read your bible every day if you're a reader and you're a vera you read your bible every day so um when they're early readers they read through the bible once a year and then when they get to the middle years and they read through three times a year and we all read the same schedule so we know what each other are reading and this has maybe been 
one of our best parenting decisions because kids get all those names and kings and stuff that I am still confused about. My kids know it way better than I do. Um, but but this is something, and it, and it comes up in conversations because we all are reading the same passages in the morning, so it'll come up. The kids will ask all sorts of interesting questions. Um, so so that's kind of something that we've done. At mealtime, so in, for breakfast, we sing a hymn. We like to learn a hymn um, every couple of months. So we just, we'll just sing the same hymn. You sing the same hymn every morning at breakfast, and everybody kind of learns it. Um, we usually, we like to read the Proverbs. Sometimes we've done that and just read a chapter of the Proverbs. The other, t- the other things, Mark has picked books for us to read. So right now we're reading a small book about a big problem that's anger book that they mentioned in worship. So we're just reading a chapter of that. And when, when I say we read that, I mean, we read portions of that. We don't read, well, the small book about a big problem. You can read a whole chapter, but other books we've picked, we just read like maybe for five minutes, like Karen said, so their eyes don't glaze over. Um, and then we also homeschool. So that's another one of our hooks is the beginning of our school day. And we have a Bible memory box that we are memorizing. It, it, we learn new verses and review old ones. Um, and then every time we clean the kitchen, so three times a day, um, we put on our Bible memory songs. It just kind of reinforces some of that. And then maybe one of the most important things we do in our daily schedules after dinner is having family worship. And um, again, just kind of keep it simple, stupid, you know, that just, you know, we pray, we read the Bible and we sing, you know, before the children go to bed. So it's kind of a, a nice way to end the day. And then as far as informal instruction, um, the Bible memory verses, again, I think I've mentioned that a bunch of times. I think that's important to us, at least. Um, it's great for your kids to memorize verses that are specific to sins that they struggle with. So as you bring them back and you talk to them, they know where they're violating God's law. You know, that they know that that's, that's it. And then especially for this, the, the things we're facing now is, is screen time. So I guess I want to encourage y'all to use all those down times or the waiting times for informal it doesn't even need to be instruction, just talking with your kids. But while you're driving, don't put don't put your kids in front of the screen. Talk to them. See what they're thinking. You'd be amazed at what comes out of them while you're waiting for doctor's appointments. Um, just kind of use that time where you're not doing anything else. You're not tempted to sweep the floor or, mm-hmm. you know, um, do something else to really just talk with your kids and listen to to what's going on in their head because they're thinking a lot of really deep thoughts. It's good to to hear what they're thinking. I, I want to add one other thing just about, um, you know, in this means of exposing our kids to God. One other just real simple way we can do that is by praying over our children mm-hmm. out loud. That's something when you pray over your child and, and you're expressing your heart for them and what you long for, you know, what you want for them and, Um, I've just seen that also be something that kind of, I think it melts my kids a little bit. I I think that they know 
that I really want the best for them, but I'm also praying something over them that God has said in his word that he wants over. So, you know, even just if they're going to play at a friend's house, just praying for God to protect them from foolishness and help them to be wise and to be a good friend, to be an encourager. You know, what you're praying for them, but you're also, yeah, that's good. You're, you're, I don't know, your words are speaking life over them, pointing them back to God through even praying over them. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the next two questions are on just your relationship with your kids. So the first one is, I have a child who requires a lot of heart conversations and working through conflicts. I'm finding that there's no time or energy on my part to spend time with this child enjoying one another, and now there seems to be a lack of a real relationship. How can I build my relationship with a difficult child? Several years ago when one of our older children was much younger, I think they were maybe three or four, we, we, I found myself in this, um, where every interaction with this child was negative. It was constantly negative and it kind of um, you kind of get into this downward spiral I think because they're getting negative feedback all the time Mm -hmm. but that's the only feedback they're getting from mom the only way they're getting attention is Mm -hmm. by acting up so I I vividly remember um, an older mother talking to me and I was asking her about this very thing and just saying you need to make sure that that child's love tank is filled up. And you need to catch that child not even doing something good, just not doing something bad. <laughs> um, so I, I remember being in the kitchen cooking supper and realizing there was not chaos coming from that child and stopping everything, just turning the stove off and sitting down and saying, can I read a book to you? And just sitting right there on the kitchen floor reading a book to them and and we just just saw that the lord just healed really healed that relationship but it really was it it really took an effort for me to to make sure i stopped and found times when that child when i could when i could pour into that child that it wasn't it wasn't negative and um karen just mentioned about praying over your children but that is something we've always we have 11 children so um we always have two or three things that we're specifically praying for each child. And we have seen God answer those specific prayers over and over and over and over. And so I just encourage you to, to really pray about that. If your relationship with a child's strained, if your child's relationship with another child is strained, we've just seen God abundantly bless in those specific prayers for specific needs that children have at different times. Okay. I really uh, agree with you, um, Kim, that our children, they hunger for our approval. And sometimes you can get in a, uh, where all you see is their negatives and you can't even see their strength. And so Mm -hmm. you, you know, call out to God, help me to uh, be able to encourage my child. But I think this is also uh, around the age of six I can remember um, uh, my mother gave me this she said uh, what you tell a child he is is what he will want to become and so I think Paul does that with the Corinthians he's he gives them grace and so uh, and also the golden rule comes in you know do unto others as you would have them do unto you 
do you want to be corrected every time you do something wrong? And so we started, instead of, we corrected patterns of um, our concerns, the ways that we were concerned for him. And, um, and also, um, I think for my earlier years in mothering, I didn't see my sin, and I thought, how dare you not be perfect like your mother? <laughs> and so I think if a mother's having a hard time seeing her sin, she could, you know, just pray Psalm 139, search my heart and try me and, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And, but um, there was a book that I think is really helpful if you're having a difficult time with your child, and it's uh, The Heart of Anger by Ed Welch. And I just think every parent needs to read that book. And, um, but I do think um, you just, you have to really, they're hungering for your um, approval. And so I would just encourage this mother to try to focus on and encourage this child with um, what they are doing right. And um, also, like if you're running an errand, ask the child, hey, come with me to Home Depot or the grocery store, and do not use that time to correct them. Use that time to just have fun with them. So, mm -hmm. Very good. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm actually going to take a break now because this is going to be two parts. And so we're going to end this first part and then pick up our conversation again in part two.